This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. This is a special Obsessed Reviews episode of the podcast where we are going to be talking about a pop culture thing that we are obsessed with. It is not hot. It is not in the moment. We just got around to watching it, which is part of what we will be talking about. But here to join me on this episode is my wife and my frequent partner in podcasting, Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being in our home with me together. (laughs) I'm happy to be here in our home together. I'm also happy to be talking to you into a microphone. This is so natural. It this is. is how we always speak. Is it, is. it not? It is exactly how we always speak. <laughs> uh, and like often, not always, I was going to say always, but it's not always, it's often, we also have some nice cocktails. <laughs> yeah, not always. Sometimes we have coffee yes. or water, you know, that health beverage. <laughs> <laughs> water, the health beverage, yes. Uh, and this is a Vesper, is that correct? Is that what you have made us today to talk about Star Trek Discovery? Yes, you have a Vesper. I have a martini except with lime juice instead of lemon juice. Okay, that's is that a different martini then? If it has lime juice, does that make it something else? Does that make it like a... I'm sure it is. So if you know what it's called, tell me and I don't have to Google it. Well, I think we should just make up that it's a Tukumva, named after (laughs) one of the characters in the thing that we are about to talk about. There we go. And that is Star Trek colon Discovery. Discovery. (laughs) I always like saying colon for things that have colons, but Star Trek colon Discovery is a really not good... When it makes sense that colon is part of the word, it's something I should maybe avoid. The first and last time we say that. (laughs) Fair enough. Star Trek (laughs) Discovery (laughs) is what we are going to talk about today. Now, this wrapped its first season... A long time ago, like in pop culture terms, like mm-hmm. several months ago, but we finally got around to watching it. Yeah. Part of what is fascinating about it is, of course, it's an attempt to, on the small screen, reboot Star Trek, get the power of Star Trek back in our lives the way it has been in the past. Uh, but also, it is part of the CBS All Access app. Yes, it is. In our brave, strange new world where you have to pay an individual price for every individual damn show you want. Appland. Appland. I am afraid of a future where that will be applied to people. And you'll like go to talk to a group of friends and like, yeah. hey, do you know what's going on with Steve? And like, oh, I'm not paying for Steve. I've oh. got to pay for it. Oh Philip my gosh, and, and so Jenny. <laughs> it just feels like that, though. We'll talk about it more. But just it, it's the segregation of our entertainment because of... You have to pay for every little thing, and it's coming up more and more. So anyway, it took us a long time to watch it because mm-hmm. of the whole CBS All Access thing. Yeah, I think specifically, if I may... Please, that... let's share the truth while I sip <laughs> this Vesper. That there was... So I'll be very honest here. I was um, happy to watch this, but I had did not take the time to look into how to watch it. So uh, there is apparently only certain ways that we could access CBS... All access. <laughs> the irony is clear in the um, way you said that. Yeah. And so um, initially we either hadn't done the work to set it up or hadn't figured it out or I don't know. I think we just we had other shows we were watching. It wasn't a top priority. Yeah. But then you have a gaming system through which we can watch it. It mm. might be a PlayStation. <laughs> it is a PlayStation. And we have it. Too. We have it. I, I just I, that's such a horrible <laughs> thing. I don't play games. I, I do know which 
consoles we have, maybe, but I couldn't remember if I was going to say the right one. Um, so we watched it through our PlayStation. There, little mini ad for PlayStation. Not really a very convincing ad. <laughs> Go get yourself a, what's that a called? What maybe? The, the thing under the television. I think it has a PNNS on it. It does have a PNNS on it, which would be shitty branding if it was an Xbox, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, right. No, so here's this super stupid, dumb journey of this show <laughs> welcome to our lives podcast so listeners we i diligently was so excited we watched the first episode and then the second episode i think was available as like a free trial but then i couldn't figure out how to get it on our television mm-hmm. like we could watch it on an ipad and all that blah 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 we're not the most technically savvy people uh because we don't just don't put the emphasis on that mm-hmm. um but then i finally went and bought CBS All Access at the halfway mark of the season when it was taking a little break. So I was like, I want to be on top of it. Yeah. I work in in pop culture and in, in entertainment. I want to know what's going on. And then I bought CBS All Access. And then shamefully, stupidly, we have been paying for it for months. <laughs> the rest of the season played. We didn't get around to watching it because we were watching other things that we've probably podcasted about. Uh, and then we finally watched it. And tomorrow, after we're done recording this podcast, <laughs> I will cancel CBS All Access. Oh, yes. But Sorry, in, CBS. In the interim, because when I signed up for it, it's like, okay, I'll figure out what button do I push to say, go to television now. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until after we'd had actually been paying for CBS All Access for a while that I bought the PlayStation 4 and it was a new thing. That they announced. Oh. They're like, hey, by the way, here's another, here's a way you could watch this television show on your damn television on the <laughs> PS4. So then I figured it out. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you bought the PS4 for your own enjoyment. And so we could finally watch Star Trek <laughs> Discovery. <laughs> that sounded like an actual burp. Did you burp just now? No, I was taking a very methodical pause. Ah, uh, it was the colon space. Yeah. Yes, the understandable. colon space. <laughs> All right, well, let's dive into <laughs> it. Obviously, if you are a person who has uh, who cares about Star Trek Discovery and has not watched it, uh, this will be spoilerful. Uh, if you're just generally kind of curious about uh, Star Trek in general and Discovery in general, we'll, we'll try to keep it uh, open so that people who haven't memorized the season of this television show can watch as well. Yeah. But I want to start with just the Star Trek basics, starting with you, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll ask myself, uh-huh. what is your kind of history with Star Trek? What is your arc? Yeah, so here's my arc um, is, <laughs> <laughs> I so I, uh, when I was a, a young, a young lass, uh, was watching, really liked Star Trek Next Generation. So that was my... I don't. I honestly don't remember if that was my intro to Star Trek or if some of the movies were my intro to Star okay. Trek because I was also obsessed with the fourth Star Trek movie, The Voyage Home, the one that had the humpback whale in it. Yeah, Star Basically, Trek Four, the one with the whales. <laughs> that is how I always described it. <laughs> What's the Star Trek movie with whales in it? I'd like to like watch that one, please. I don't think I'd even seen over half of the other Star Trek movies. I just really liked that one. It hit me at the right time. I liked whales. I liked Spock. You know, <laughs> kismet. It was all good. We were all happy. It was on the West Coast. Life is excellent. Um, So other than that, I watched what I thought was a lot of Star Trek The Next Generation. And I didn't realize until much later 
that I think I stopped like halfway through and just never realized it. Oh, really? Did you think yeah. like a, there was an episode that like, well, that's the end of Star Trek The Next Generation? No, I or did think it just fall out of your life? It just fell out of my life. I think I was, you know, getting older and had other things going on and just wasn't making a point of, um, you know, taping it on the VCR every week. And <laughs> <laughs> life wasn't as full of options then. And so I just got behind and then I didn't know what was going on. And then it just kind of fell off my radar. But I kind of thought I had only missed the last season or two, but I think I missed, I don't know, like the last three or four seasons. Okay. Did you see the, the episodes where Picard was tortured by a Cardassian? If I say, there are four lights, do you know what I'm talking about? No, but that's not a trustworthy answer. <laughs> that's Here's, true. Uh, Picard <laughs> was kidnapped by the Borg, and I didn't see a lot more after that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, yeah. That is about around halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that. I saw an episode or two of Deep Space, Deep Space Nine. Sorry, many fans, including you. Um, I just didn't watch enough of it to get into it, so well, I never really fine. got into it. And then life took over, and I have never seen Voyager. And uh, are you aware of Enterprise? I am aware of Enterprise. That it existed. I okay. am. I've never seen that either. <laughs> and I have seen some bits and pieces of the original series, but certainly not all of it. Okay, cool. So, th I mean, that's a little bit of your literal viewing history. Oh, yes. But for the stuff that... <laughs> so, uh, Whales and Spock mm -hmm. drew you in. But maybe at the same time you're watching Next Generation. But for the period where you were watching Next Generation, where you're going out of your way to tape it on purpose and mm -hmm. say, this is a show that I am watching, what attracted you to it? What did you like about it? Oh, um, that is an excellent question. I would say that <laughs> I liked, I mean, I loved the concept of traveling in space. So just yeah. uh, conceptually, it grabbed me right away. I liked the um, the camaraderie or sometimes lack thereof of people on the bridge. And I liked a lot of the individual characters as well as how they interacted with each other. Um, you know. Yeah. I, Can I ask? Yeah. Was it was watching the Next Generation a family activity? Your maiden name is Stevenson, which you know, but I'm saying for the benefit. <laughs> did you watch with the rest of the Stevenson clan? Um, I certainly watched some of them with my brother. Okay. Um, but I don't know that I only watched them with him. I think I also would, you know, we had them on VCR so I or on VHS. And so I was, you know, bored and would rewatch an episode. Okay. Um, but I, I know my parents have watched it. And I'm sure sometimes, like, they would sit down with us and watch it. But it wasn't like the students didn't sit down and watch Star Trek The Next okay. Generation night. Um, but Andy and I, my brother, and I would often watch like the new ones together if we couldn't watch them live yeah now i was curious because your family mm -hmm. is uh very i think uh honorable mm -hmm. your mother in particular doesn't like things where there's too much really ugly intense conflict uh-huh and you're all very studious like taking your time doing your work dotting your i's crossing your t's and also just a a sense of science of exploration all of those things make sense to me of your family really approving of. And in particular, those first couple seasons of The Next Generation really have that sense of we are exploring. We are, we are all very good at math and science and we all try our very best to get along. Was that a part of what attracted it to you? That, that Next Generation was sort of modeling a lot of the values of your <laughs> actual family? Well, now that you say that. Um, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe. Okay. I haven't ever thought about it that way. <laughs> all right. I think about that all the time. If I, if I was watching it because it modeled the behaviors no. of my family. No, no. I mean, I think about your family all the time because yeah. of my family too. Yeah. But the different, um, 
the different modes of Star Trek. And I think I, I wanted to talk about that because I think Discovery in particular plays on those ideas of the title is literally Discovery. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Star Trek is very optimistic. It is about people who don't break the rules. They bend the rules if they absolutely have to, but they are about being true to their ideals and working together and positive and hopeful. And there's a lot of like light to Star Trek. And I think Discovery is playing with that a little bit, which we'll get into. But Yeah. And as we say that, I do think that part of it for me with Next Gen was the the way that they did work within the rules, but they all kind of worked within them differently. Yeah. You know, like I love the difference between how, you know, Counselor Troy would work with something versus Picard versus... Versus how Riker would sit in a chair by raising one leg. (laughs) It wasn't a violation of any uh, Starfleet rule, but maybe Mm. bending a rule about sitting etiquette. Yeah. Starfleet might have a rule about that. I'm sure they do. Yeah. (laughs) We also were, you know, like a... This is a ridiculous way of saying this. We were a family that liked Patrick Stewart. And so. <laughs> well, all so families like, all divide families, themselves about that. You have to you at some Patrick point, Stewart you know. Or, yeah. So we are put a, a little sign on your mailbox to let people know whether you do or do not like Patrick Stewart. Uh, that we is. had a little window decal. Thumbs up, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> okay. So you, you were drawn in by Patrick Stewart. Um, I was maybe kept there partly by my, I, I'm sure it had parental approval partly because Patrick Stewart was on it. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, real quick, did you yeah. have a favorite character on Next Generation? No. Too hard to choose because they're all awesome, right? Yeah, it changed constantly. Which one was my favorite? <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so for myself briefly, I yeah. was, I, I grew up a Star Trek kid. I mean, uh, obviously Star Wars was huge to me, uh, but I think think I saw Star Trek first. Like, I remember it as a thing that it came on in reruns and my dad was excited. Mm. And I think my dad got hooked by what Gene Roddenberry pitched it as, is, you know, it's a wagon train to the stars that it had a little bit of that Western vibe where it is about people who are very moral, but they do violence if they have to. And my dad really liked Star Trek. And so I remember seeing episodes of the original series very, very young. Yeah, I remember when... Uh, and I'm going to just date myself here, but when the motion picture came out, Star Trek, the motion picture and the action figures came out since uh, for Star Trek, the motion picture. I didn't even know there were action figures for Star Trek, the motion picture. They didn't super sell well. Uh, but I remember like this is a ridiculous thing that I had my Star Wars action figures saying to themselves, uh, maybe we can beat the Empire if we could just get some help from some kind strangers. And like I was having them set up the idea that eventually Aww. I was going to go to the store and be able to get Kirk and Spock action figures and they could fight the Empire with Luke and Han. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, and then and my brother wasn't sure about that. Maybe that was crossing the streams. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that was not canonical. Yeah. Uh, but so, I mean, it's deep. I remember uh, when Wrath of Khan came out and all the other kids on the block, it was a Saturday afternoon and their dads were all taking them and my brother and I was like, if you want to be a father who can show his face on this block you will take us to wrath of khan this afternoon and he did and was, we all loved it and you know uh, so i was feverishly awaiting next generation when it came on yeah and you know really enjoyed it deep space nine was my favorite i fell off of voyager only watched a few episodes of enterprise but you know i've watched all the movies many many times all that so i was very very curious about discovery about there's so many new things about it not Mm -hmm. only the dumb streaming platform but the uh being a little bit more serialized 
Yeah. Like Deep Space Nine was one of the first shows that broke the seal on serialization. And it was one of the reasons that I loved it. Yeah. Is that it mattered what happened last week. And Enterprise, or not Enterprise, Next Generation did that a little bit. But Deep Space Nine was the first one that was like, no, we're going to go all in. And we're going to tell this season and show long story arc. And I love that. And I will just jump in that I've been told that by people. And I will say that part of the reason I never got into it is because I didn't give it that all that I should have. And someday will. Yeah, soon. Soon. I want to watch it. I want to watch it all. Uh, All right. So let's get into Discovery itself then. Yeah. So what is your main reaction? Are you thumbs up? Are you thumbs down? When we have to put the decal in our window, just Mm, like you do for Patrick Stewart, Mm -hmm. will you be thumbs up or thumbs down on Star Trek Discovery? I am thumbs up. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Mm -hmm. We'll talk a little bit about why. I am also thumbs up. My thumbs at first were like, what's going on? Uh, Which I think now that we've finished the season is part of the point of it is to keep you guessing. Um, But I am ultimately thumbs up. So Good. We only need one decal in our window. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to be one of those divided households that people look in our window like, oh boy. (sighs) They're in there fighting about Star Trek Discovery all the time. Uh, I, I should say... I am mixed on the modern films. Love oh. the love Star Trek 2009. Mm-hmm. I really like the original one. Into Darkness is one of the pop culture things that I am most annoyed by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I thought Beyond was just sort of fine. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that because I keep wanting to call the show that we're talking about either Star Trek Darkness <laughs> or Star Trek Into Discovery. I keep calling it yeah. either of those things instead of just Star Trek hmm? Discovery, which we know <laughs> is the correct title. Anyway. So what did you like about Star Trek Discovery? I think we were both, as we were watching it, had some ups and downs. Mm-hmm. What made you ultimately go, no, this is awesome? Um, a few things. First of all, I think the main character, Michael Burnham, is fantastic. Yeah. And so the strength of her as a character and her as an actor kept me engaged throughout, even when other parts of the show were making me go, eh. So that was, that's a huge thing for me. Um, the other thing for me is, honestly, by the end, a lot of the things that at the beginning were making me go, eh, what? Okay. I felt like it all came together. And we talked to some people when we were partway through watching who we said, oh, you know, we've just seen a, the plot twist. And they're like, oh, well, there's a fl- few plot twists. We don't know which one you're at, so we're not going to say anything. <laughs> Except which, you, you you should stick with it. It will be yeah. reward you. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it totally did. And I feel like the plot twist plural totally paid off and so i really just like the whole arc of where it went yeah yeah it was a a delayed reaction it was like they had laid all this all of these traps Mm -hmm. for the audience in a good way Mm -hmm. and then you would step on one and it would go off and you'd step on another and go off and it was like very very thrilling yeah right let's talk a little bit about michael burnham since you said that's one of the things you love Obviously, uh, twisting normal Star Trek expectations where the captain isn't the main character. Mm-hmm. And while there definitely is an ensemble, it does center Michael Burnham is your point of view character. Yeah. Did you relate to her? Did you want to be her? Were you impressed by her? Were you troubled by her? How did you emotionally react to her? Besides I found just her, liking her intriguing. Okay. <laughs> um, which I think is a great hook because... Because she, uh, this is, uh, I know we talked about spoilers, but a little bit of a spoiler is, spoil um, away. you know, because she has that whole human Vulcan coexistence within her, 
of she was trained in by the Vulcans and in the Vulcan way, but is human. And just how that played out and how that fought those two sides of her, you know, nature versus nurture fought against themselves with throughout the story and in various ways and sometimes in big ways and sometimes in response to really small things. I found that fascinating. Yeah. And I just I found her an intriguing character. I wouldn't say that I wanted to be her. I feel like I am her or any of that. I just found her intriguing and I wanted to see what was happening next to this character that like it's like a good book that you want to just keep reading because you really want to see what's happening to this interesting person yeah and that's how i felt about her yeah i thought it was a really interesting idea to center in this character the original star trek from the original series the logic versus emotion i think that's what really set star trek apart there's so many great things about it but Especially in the 60s, where a lot of science fiction still was, like, if you were a sci-fi fan, you were probably reading big, crunchy novels of Mm -hmm. hard science fiction. And I feel like Star Trek, while it's always been kind of wibbly-wobbly with pseudoscience, it pays so much respect to the idea of knowledge and logic and science. Yeah. But then on the other hand, you have Kirk and McCoy, who are so very emotional and celebrating that. And so to center all of that on the one character have her internalize this classic debate in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But unlike Spock, whose whole story was always like, yes, I'm half human, half Vulcan, but I just want to be a Vulcan. I am a Vulcan. I've I've controlled my human side. Mm -hmm. It was fascinating to have a character like Michael Burnham who was just sort of like, I have a set of skills. You know, she's like, I'm like, I have uh, two different classes in D&D and I will use whichever skill set seems appropriate like obviously there was lots in the story where she was trying to please Sarek yeah please her uh, adopted father but Mm -hmm. Amanda is also her adopted parent yeah and she is human yeah so there was that that flexibility of like it's not going to be anytime that she was striving to be Vulcan like it was because it felt like either to please Sarek or to do the best job in that situation yeah. But there was no like I shouldn't I should deny my humanity. No. It but was like a question of like how do I deal with my humanity? What is its value? When do I tap into it? Versus when do I and I just as a performance, she absolutely nailed the traditional sort of speech patterns of Vulcans that were established by Leonard Nimoy mm-hmm. and throughout the series done by by different actors. Yeah. All the series. Yeah. And I um I just really I liked how even though by the time we saw her, she had been in um, the the Starfleet for a while. Yeah. It seemed like she still sometimes had trouble accessing the human side of her. Yeah. Or knowing exactly how and when. And I just, I I find that, I just personally find that fascinating. So it tapped into a personal interest of mine. Did you like her also? I mean, I'm going oh, on yeah. about how much I liked her. but I really she... did. Uh, I knew the actor from The Walking Dead. And, oh, okay. uh, and I was really happy to see this character who, like I said, exemplifies all these traditional things of Star Trek. Yeah. There were a couple parts where I was afraid that she was just going to be sort of locked down and broody. Um, yeah. for too much and I did I that is not the actor but I was afraid that there were some parts where she was just going to be like all right and now she's going to stare out the window because she feels bad because she did it she betrayed her captain even though she thought she was doing the right thing and like uh, but I, I felt like they got out of that quickly and I like how much she quickly built relationships um, with Tilly and yeah. with Ash Tyler and that 
here's what I liked. I'm rambling, but <laughs> it wasn't that I should deny my humanity. It was I don't know how to be human. Like when she got in the ship, she was mm-hmm. like, I'm upset. I was ready to spend my whole life in prison. Now I'm here. You want to be friends with me? I don't even know how to do that. Yep. And it's not that it's against an ethos of mine. It's just I literally don't know how to do that. Yeah. And so to have that character of Tilly just be like, well, just sit here and talk to me. Mm-hmm. Listen to me. Respond to me. Yeah. You know, that that was powerful and interesting. And, and to watch just the subtlety of the way Sneakwa Martin Green played that mm-hmm. was really impressive. Okay. So Michael Burnham was one of the things you liked. What was the other thing you said you liked? Um, the way that all the kind of twists paid off yes. and that in the end, it felt like there was very much a through line. And I mean, not that <laughs> obviously writers and producers usually do know where they're going and they, you know, it's well. not sometimes <laughs> often uh, I'm sitting across a small table from a writer. So, um, so it's not that they don't, I just, I felt as a viewer, I felt satisfaction at the end with the whole story arc that I wasn't sure I was going to get in the middle. And that feels like maybe a weird way to say why I liked it, but I, it made all of the little pieces that I was enjoying along the way a complete whole. Yes, yes, because it had so many things towards the end where you were like, hey, I questioned X. Oh, you did X for a reason. Mm-hmm. You weren't wasting my time or messing with me. Yeah. You were actually setting something up. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things I liked is the... I'm not sure about how much I want uh, media to be meta. There's a sort of unfortunate meta part of the story where I feel like some of the big themes are discovery and like the it's not subtle to the title, but the characters all being sort of divided internally and having to figure out who they are and what their mission mm-hmm. is and all that, um, which is fascinating because that was also the behind the scenes story where Brian Fuller Everybody was really excited, and then he dropped out halfway, and there was, you know, there was a lot of confusion about, all right, there have now been a lot of different cooks in this kitchen. There have been delays. Is CBS rushing this to just try to sell their damn all-access app? (laughs) So, like, the show itself in the real world seemed to, like, suffer from some of the things that were actually going on in the narrative as well of, like, but what is this really yeah. Are we wasting your time? Are we manipulating you? Is this just a trick of nostalgia? Or does this actually have ideals? Will this actually, will all these disparate ideas actually come together? So that, that yeah. sort of meta narrative was cool. And then the actual story as constructed, I feel like, was specifically meant to manipulate people who've been with Star Trek for a while. Because oh, yeah? that first episode, that first scene in particular, just it welcomes you home if you've been a fan for a long time, particularly Mm -hmm. I would say like even early next generation, that relationship of like, here we are doing a just Starfleet Federation mission, Mm -hmm. helping people out, but staying out of their business. And the captain is really happy with her number one and wants to promote her to her own command, which is a thing that's always going on with Spock and Riker and on and on. Mm -hmm. And just this sort of reaffirmation of, we are smart and resourceful, and whether or not people like it, the idea that the captain, uh, you know, walks in a pattern to make the symbol of the Federation, so they can see that from space, since they can't scan for them. Yeah, it is such a reaffirmation of: Are you ready to go on some explorations where good people try to do their best 
and <laughs> discover things. And then it immediately pulls out the rug out from under. You're like, nope, it's a bunch of conflicted people who aren't what they seem doing horrible, violent things, and maybe, maybe violating everything that the Federation is about, everything that Star Trek is about. Mm-hmm. And it, at first, that manipulation didn't work, because I was just happy to be home. <laughs> yeah. I, this is what I wanted. I did yeah. a podcast with my friend Audrey Kearns, where we talked about, like, I, I can't wait to go back to Star Trek, where every character is a straight-A student who knows math and science, who worked hard, <laughs> who's doing their job, who's done their homework. Yeah. And since this is my podcast and I don't have to be sensitive about politics, <laughs> you know, in contrast to our leadership right now, which is just idiots who have no respect for facts or knowledge. And Star Trek is a shrine to facts and knowledge. Yeah. And curiosity. Yes. And empathy and understanding. And I was so anxious to go home. And feel that. Yeah. In the show very specifically. is like, would you like to feel this? Ha ha. Yeah. And then, it, it, so at first Were I was you like. mad? I was just, I was just frustrated because it was something where I was bringing what I wanted to the show. Of course. And then, the, like those first several episodes where I was just like, I just want to know who the crew is. Okay, I get this isn't the main ship. I get that Jason Isaacs is going to be the captain sometime. When are we going to set up? And it was in it, by about the fifth or sixth episode. Where it's like, okay, I can invest in Tilly. I can, I, it's safe to invest yeah. in Saru. I can start to get to know these characters. And once it settled into that, yeah. and they were clearly playing with the idea of uh, Discovery isn't like, we're going to go and map a new star system. Discovery was, what the hell is going on inside me? Once that locked, yeah. then I was like, cool, that's great. Yeah. And you've mentioned two of my favorite additional characters, <laughs> Tilly and Saru. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk yeah. about them a little bit. So sure. Tilly yeah. is among a, uh, I don't know, a growing body of nerd characters, characters that are explicitly sort of nerdy in the way that we are in real life on screen. Uh-huh. Who, you know, again, you know, good student, but also playing the sort of socially awkward joke. Yeah, except she's also the one, only one who knows how to party. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, we've been at uh, many conventions. We're about to go to San Diego Comic-Con as we record this. <laughs> Nerds can party. They sure can. Uh, so what did you like about Tilly? Mm. I ask you as you I'm take sorry, a, a drink a of, water. of water. I surprised you. Uh, yes. No, I um, honestly, I liked I liked her openness. I just I felt like. As a character, they started with her being kind of the like, oh, I'm new to Starfleet and maybe a little bit of a um, a possibility of being a, 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 not so far as a character, but I, you know, you, you always have to start with like, what type of character is she? And then she becomes her own full character. And, and I liked where that went. I liked the discoveries that other people went on about Tilly because one of the things about her is that um, maybe extra appealing to uh the nerds among us who are watching the show is she was almost like kind of treated a little less than as though she didn't quite know what she was doing even though she always had done her homework and she was literally a lower rank and she was was a lower yeah yeah, she was a and you know was always so like a lot of it was legitimate within the show it was not like she was put down but also i feel like she saw in michael that michael needed a friend yeah and didn't know how to be a friend, so she would just sit and chat with her. But also, I feel like Michael was one of the first people who saw something more in Tilly. Yes. And saw the capacity of Tilly. And so just getting to watch 
somebody's capacity grow and other people start to have their eyes open to a thing that I feel like we as the audience got let in on really soon and getting to watch all the other people on the ship see like, oh, she's actually worth more than we thought she was worth. Yeah. Uh, To us as individuals, to us as a team, to our mission, to saving lives. um, That's just a thing that I enjoy watching. Basically, these are all the things that I apparently am voyeuristic about. (laughs) (laughs) Intriguing people and watching people discover things. Yeah. But I mean, is one of the big themes I do like that almost everybody is explicitly more than one thing. Like it could have been heavy handed and maybe some people think it is, but like, uh, Burnham is a human who was raised as a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we discover, this is a big spoiler, that Ash Tyler is actually a, a Klingon altered mm-hmm. to be a human. Uh, Lorca ends up not being who he says he is. Mm-hmm. You know, on and on and on. And I liked that with, with Stamets, the um, engineer, you know, melds basically with that with the weird mycelial network. So he becomes something other than just human, you know? Yeah. And I like that for Tilly, it was, can I go from ensign to captain? Can I possibly be a captain? And then getting the super weird validation, like, yes, in the mirror universe, you are a captain and you've murdered so many people. Your nickname is Captain Killy. Uh-huh. And to get that mixed validation of like, yes, you can... You have it in you to be this person that you want to be. Amazing. But also a horrific murderer. And horrible. So yeah. anyway, uh, do with that what you will, <laughs> Tilly. Like yeah. that was really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, a different way to have that sort of like everyone is more than just one thing. Yeah. Idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Saru because yes. Saru was on my list of things that I yes. really liked. One what of my did favorites. you really like? He's just a weirdo. I love I love me some weirdos. Right? I wanted I wanted an alien, a prominent alien mixed in mm-hmm. with uh, the rest of the crew, and they did a great job of getting away from the old Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, uh, Voyager, and Enterprise trope of aliens have different noses or brows because that's what we can afford. So I like that he was a fully different looking. Alien. Yeah. I noticed about halfway through his hand swishes. Aren't those the, great? Like that's how his gentle uh, species walked is just always swishing their little hands. Yeah, because it's uh, like they're feeling the universe around them to see if they need to be more scared than they're normal scared. Yeah. Yeah. When I was doing a, a podcast before it had even come out. Yeah. Uh, again with with my friend Audrey Kearns, and we had just seen the trailer, and one of the big trailer moments was his. My species is hunted, and we have evolved to sense death, mm-hmm. sense the coming of death, and I sense it now. And we talked about, is that cool, or is that like, oh, geez, this guy, he's in space. He's just going to be sensing death <laughs> all the time. Uh-huh. And I love the way that it played out that different things set him off, and you got the sense that, yes, the whole species senses death, mm-hmm. but maybe it is a little bit attuned to, like, if we were humans in life walking around sensing death, we would react to different fears, different knowledge, different anxieties. Yeah. And our ganglia would come out at different things. And I loved his gross little dang- ganglia coming yeah. out. <laughs> Those are awesome. Yeah. So, and I love that what they did uh, with him that episode where we learned that he is afraid all the time. Yeah. And that, mm. that it was just a great payoff to the promise of Star Trek, like in, in a great, contrast to the Klingons Mm -hmm. because the Klingons are like well what if aggression was 
turned up to the maximum and that was part of your culture how do you how does somebody like the starfleet how does somebody like the federation respect the difference of a species who are like well aggression is turned up to the max that's who we are yeah and i feel like star trek has sometimes nailed it on coming up with creatures uh, creatures races species mm-hmm. who have a different perspective that you really have to have like empathy and understanding yeah to get along with yeah and i feel like his species i didn't write it down kellyan maybe kelpian kelpian mm-hmm. yeah have that idea of like you know we've, we've been hunted for generations so we, yeah. we live in constant fear and like wow what an accomplishment then to be on this ship yeah and to be um first officer yes yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I agree that I really liked the um, the fullness of the the species. Yeah, as well as in the fullness of the character. Yeah, I also that like that he made a weird little clucking noise every once in a while. Did you pick up on that along with his hand swish? Like when he like sometimes when he wasn't know. speaking, you'd go. <sighs> oh, it yeah. was like just a little, and it's like. That is a sound of anxiety. Yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> Took me a few times, I guess the first time or two, we maybe didn't see his feet, to see um, his hooves, basically, mm-hmm. um, which were really cool. That's all. Yeah, just, he had Just hooves. a foot comment from me. He's got hooves and super strength. He's stronger than humans, right? Because like- uh, Is he? Spoiler, again, when uh, when Ash Tyler reconnects that he is Voke and tries to <sighs> yeah. kill- Michael Burnham, this is in the Mirror Universe where Saru is just a servant who might be eaten at any moment. He grabs, you know, badass Ash Tyler and just yeah. throws him across the room and saves Michael Burnham. So not only is it a species that lives in fear, they're stronger than humans. Yes. Yes, that's a good point that I totally missed. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Well, and also in that episode where he, uh, where they go down to the planet and he gets sort of uh, manipulated by the beans down there and, and becomes sort of a entranced in that in the idea of not the beans that put him at peace you know they gave yeah. him a mental massage yeah. <laughs> he's like i didn't feel fear uh he throws him around like driftwood there too it's great yeah he does he does one of my that favorite... was a phrase that my drink made up throw him around like, <laughs> like driftwood, driftwood is not a normal human phrase no but it's actually a pretty good phrase yeah yeah <laughs> we can use it sure but i just want to own that i know that's not a real phrase <laughs> i discovered that Discovery. All right. So, uh, any other big likes? Yeah, I was just gonna say with Saru, um, one of the ways that I like the the people knowing each other. How's that for a well constructed sentence? I like that the uh, other characters are cognizant of one another as well. <laughs> so when Michael Burnham is on the Discovery, you know she's going through this whole trying to find her place now that she's been tried for treason and has not been in a good place. Saru does not trust her for totally understandable, legit reasons, even without his ganglia. But they have this, um, <laughs> you know, the mycelia ne- network, and they this creature whose name I constantly forget. Tardigrade. The tardigrade. Water bear. It's got got the, f- yeah. the tardigrade. Tardigrade's having a big moment in pop culture because it was in Ant-Man oh, and really? the Wasp, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the tardigrade's on board the ship, and Michael Burnham, as science officer and an inquisitive, intelligent person is observing the world around her and brings Saru in to say, to see, and kind of tricks him to see if his ganglia will be um, set off 
by the tardigrade. Oh, that's right. To see if it's actually a threat like everybody else seems to think, or she thinks that the tardigrade is a peaceful creature, and she uses Saru's lack of ganglia exposing themselves <laughs> as uh, her proof. And I just, it's one of those little moments that actually is like, if I had to choose favorite little moments, it's one of my favorite little moments. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely great. Um, I'll say one of the other things that I liked, and then we'll get on to maybe things that we weren't sure about mm-hmm. or question, or maybe just plain old didn't like. Um, I liked that the theme of uh, Discovery, which again, I know it's just the title, but I feel like it was explicitly the theme. Oh, yeah. That it extended to this idea of unity, of like all of, all of these characters kind of had to find their own balance for our heroes. And then on the... Uh, bad guy side for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. the Klingons are the antagonists for the most part Mm -hmm. that their whole story was about unity yeah because that makes sense to me as an earlier story of Klingons of all right if this uh culture is all about aggression and being the strongest how do you bring everyone together enough to fight a common foe or have Mm -hmm. a common goal so I like that that was a part of the story and yeah. like, even though they were devastating the Federation, it wasn't doing anything for the Klingon characters that we knew their ultimate goal was unity. Mm-hmm. So how, how you know, you're just slaughtering people yeah, in, with your separate houses. So who cares? That's not the point. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Uh, that seemed like a very Star Trek thing of having respect for this culture yeah. and saying, what are the challenges of this Klingon culture? similar to the challenges of all of the characters we're meeting on the ship. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about things that we maybe questioned or didn't like. Mm -hmm. Do you have something, or do you (laughs) want me to load my torpedoes and fire? Um, Go for it. Well, if you have something, I want you to go first. I I have some some little things, but like we said, a lot of them, you know, paid off in the end. I will say when Lorca was in the prison on um, the Klingon ship, I was was like, why are we really spending this much time here? Because right. it just felt like a little bit of a uncertain. Um, and I say this with deepest apologies to the composer, but there were parts of the theme music during the intro that were not my favorite. <laughs> you I'm say that sorry, like composer. it's the most offensive thing ever. <laughs> well, to that person, it kind of is, and I'm sorry. Well, yeah. All right. Well, but, but if, they're li- if they're listening to Obsessed, yeah. thank you. Hi. Uh, please support us on Patreon. And I'm sorry I forgot your name. And I really liked <laughs> some parts of it. There's just one section in the middle that felt like, and maybe this was the point, I could be watching any Star Trek movie, but I also could have been watching Downton Abbey. And or, you know, any other number of things. It and did I just, sound like Downton Abbey where they did. dropped the Star Trek theme in at the end. It did. I'm Yes. Uh, so uh, apologies all. to the composer that we just assume is listening to our podcast. But <laughs> right. I did not. Yeah, <laughs> I, thank you, because that is probably <laughs> one of my biggest dislikes. Yeah. Because a lot of the intros is uh, or, or like cold opens as they were, mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially in the second half, are like, what's going to happen next? All right. And then the music was like, what have you got? Some Earl Grey tea, like Picard. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. And do you need? Oh, what if we discovered something? Oh, here's the oh, the original theme. You like that? And like it just was so sleepy and didn't take off. 
yeah. until the end. And I actually did like the beginning of it. Like the do 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 yeah, and that, and I that liked has... that because that was like, okay, we're going off, we're exploring, we're you know making all of our equipment, we're calibrating everything, are our compasses pointing in the right direction to space north? Uh, you know, <laughs> I like that part of it. There's just the section in the middle where I felt like I was going to see Downton Abbey. That I nothing against Downton Abbey. I just we weren't watching Downton Abbey in space. No, I mean, even Next Generation has like cold opens where like. Deanna Troy, you know, is like, I think someone somewhere might be slightly sad. And then, bam, ba-da-da, da-da-da. And, like, it tells you it's going to be the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. In this show, which, you know, has a lot of conflict, it's, you know, mired in conflict, mm-hmm. is like, oh, do you want to see some conflict today? Yeah. Yeah. So, I agree with and, you. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. Here, what are yours? Um, I... Uh, I only liked Harry Mudd okay. Yeah, me too. I feel like the whole, I feel like this show's whole relationship to uh, the rest of Star Trek canon was a, a super balancing act. It is a thing that's going on a lot with, I think, all of the prequels, continuations, uh, the, the I think, mostly good, but also uh, controversial fascination we have with revisiting everything, yeah. right? As soon as you revisit something, it's going to be a question of like, if it's a prequel, if it's set before, is it too advanced? Is it going to upset the apple, the narrative apple card of anything that's come before and all that? Mm -hmm. And this one in particular, I think, uh, really danced around that. And I feel like it threw in Harry Mudd, who's a character who appeared twice in the original series, is like a... Hey, we're doing the Star Trek. Uh, the finger guns, phaser fingers. Woo, Star Trek, yeah. right? Right? Uh, you, you like the Star Trek? We got we got the Harry Mud. I I didn't feel like there was a reason. Now, I haven't seen the original series Harry Mud episodes in a long time. Didn't feel like there was a reason that that character had to be Harry Mud, so it just felt a little bit um like just uh gilding the Star Trek lily gotcha. in a way that didn't need to be gilded. Yeah. Um I did like because it was felt fresh to me toward the end of the show when they when the Federation came to the conclusion of we are going to bury any knowledge of a mirror universe for this very sort of human but also dark and upsetting reason of like the uh, Federation and Federation planets many people have had their loved ones slaughtered and if they find out that there's a possibly a mirror universe with a different version of their loved one that's going to cause absolute chaos like that's dark and interesting but a a fun reason of well why isn't this some of what's happening in this story why doesn't it seem like kirk and spock know about it you know why doesn't it seem like this is something that picard goes on a little speech about you know in the history of federation past blah blah, Mm -hmm. blah 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 um and I, I read a little bit of an interview about season two, and it sounds like they have lots of plans to be like some of the stuff that's really challenging uh, Star Trek canon as you know it. We we have a reason that we're going to do that. Interesting. We have a reason we're going to do that, and maybe there's a reason that Spock isn't like, well, we could jump on the mycelial network. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that, that's a great point that I do love. That is such. It feels like. <laughs> It feels like such a real decision that would have to be made, even though obviously this is not real life. But, you know, maybe 
maybe there is a mirror universe that people know how to access. But I, but that idea that they would have to make this choice because it would just mess things up too much. Yeah, it does just it, there's something about it that feels very human. Yeah, I think it is a little bit. We, I think we sometimes expect from our fiction more reality than is in our reality. Yeah, like, totally. There are ideas that are forgotten and buried in history, and you know when you're suddenly come across them, like what? Somebody did invented <laughs> what in World War Two, and we're not. Not like people invented the mycelial network, but, yeah. you know, information gets buried. Information gets lost mm-hmm. by society, by governments, yeah. by humans. Um, another thing, I've got two two little gripes. Okay. I want, I'd still want more time with the cast uh, solidified. Yeah. Because I loved the moments where the characters got to know each other and bounce off of each other a little bit more. And I feel like that's so much the heart of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. is the ensemble cast in these pressurized situations and they have different relationships and different times they get along and different touchy subjects. And I liked all of these characters and I want more what happens when Saru and Tilly disagree, what happens when Stamets and Michael Burnham are absolutely on the same page, what happens when, you know, one of these characters might have to sacrifice themselves and they can't decide who should do it and they're all trying. Like, I want some of those classic we know our characters. They're together. They have a history. We have a history with them. I want to get to that. Yep. The other dumb one is there was the one crew member on the bridge <laughs> of Discovery. Yeah. Who I looked up her name. I believe it's Keela. She's got the uh, weird little tech over one eye. Mm-hmm. And I wanted her to speak more. I got she the actor is really emotive, and I got sick of looking at shots where she was really emotive and like, who is that? Yeah. And What's she's in deal? shots all the time, but Let you only speak. get to hear her say like, "Yes, sir," or yep. "Warp drive enacted." <laughs> yeah, let her speak. Let yeah. Keela speak. Season two. Hashtag let Keela speak. That's my thing. All right, I want to talk about a couple other things. We kind of talked about big ideas and themes, so mm-hmm. I want to ask you, since the mirror universe played such a big part in Star Trek Discovery, yeah, what do you think you would be like in the mirror universe? <laughs> um. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be uh, uh, murderous like so many people there are? Yeah, I think I'd be really evil. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How would you? So, And this is the thing is like with, with Captain Tilly uh-huh. or with Tilly uh, where she learns that I have these abilities, but I could use them for evil. Yeah. What abilities do you think would come out uh, and express themselves if you were going toward evil, I think it, I think it is. Um, uh, this is not me. This is mirror universe me. I'm just saying, putting that out there first. I think that it would actually be the, um, you know, growing up in the world of the mirror universe. I think it would be the pushing down of compassion and empathy. Mm. So I think it actually wouldn't be what would come out. Although I guess. I hopefully I don't have too many evil traits just like lurking out in the world like <laughs> ganglia. Um, <laughs> evil lurking ganglia. But I think that the combination of uh, something, you know, b- being an evil person and the lack of compassion and empathy for other creatures is something that can be learned in a certain in an extreme environment. And if we're going with mirror universe where I'm a different type of myself. Yeah. Yeah. But you would have... Apparently, I think I'm Tilly. 
I, well, <laughs> not not in appearance. There's some differences in appearance, but yeah. character-wise, <laughs> um, you. That's not what I want to say. The characters in the mirror universe uh-huh. uh, seem to have the sim the same skill sets. Yeah, always. Yeah. So imagining that you have your same skill set, mm-hmm. how would you use them for evil? Because I'm not letting go of this question. <laughs> Would oh, you gotcha. use your okay. dancer abilities to kick people? Would you use your planning and management abilities to plan and manage evil? Um, yes. Uh, not kick people because <laughs> that doesn't work so well in space when you're on your own, you know, ships. Um, and and maybe I maybe I'm gonna think a little bit more about this because here's one of my skills that I actually think would be really helpful in the mirror universe. Yeah, is that. If I weren't Tilly, if I weren't evil, lack of compassion, kill everybody, killy Tilly. (laughs) (laughs) I think that um, seeing multiple sides and if not negotiating, at least being able to talk with people, get them calm. I think that perhaps I could be a negotiator within the rebels. So I'm totally changing there. I still get to be a good person. Yeah, nice manipulation. <laughs> you will not go- let go of your goodness. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'd like to think that there would be a pretty strong start, spark that, like, even if I got to be, you know, high up there, Sarah the Slayer or something, um, that <laughs> when the time came, I would fight for the right side. All right. Fair or enough. Or even before the time came, I would do what I could to help the people along while still maintaining my cover. Yeah. All right. Fair we enough. all know I want to pass by. Yeah. I did like that that they played with the idea of what it is to be from the mirror universe. It's not just cartoonishly evil. It's this you come from a very violent place mm-hmm. where everyone is warped by what what I, I and I think culturally we think is a bad ideology. Mm-hmm. And it it was really cool. Again, spoiler that they let uh, Giorgio live, and in our in our universe, she just seems evil, yes, but also just really pragmatic. Just, I don't have faith that anybody is ever going to do the right thing, mm-hmm. and so you just got to kill them first. So that was also like a, a good step forward with the mirror universe of not just, it's not that they're cartoonishly evil. It's not just the old, there's an evil version of you with a goatee. It's that yeah. they've been raised and twisted by this ideology. Yeah. And, you know, that that's great. I hope we spend time with that character and feel like, is she continues to meet people who are not as bleak as people she might encounter in that universe. Mm-hmm. Will she change a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I would just use uh, comedy to be mean to people. I would, <laughs> I would make mean and hurtful jokes and try to <laughs> try to keep myself alive without being murdered on a, uh, on a Federation uh, uh, Terran Empire ship going like, well, if you hail someone, I can, you know, say something really mean about them. Yeah. So you're going to be the the evil joker of the court. Yes. Jester, excuse me. Jester. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to be the joker. I'm not going to no. cross the streams no. like that. No. 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 Um, if you were stranded on a desert island with one of the characters from Star Trek hmm, Discovery, <laughs> who would you want it to be? Do we have a ship? No, you're stranded okay. on a desert island. <laughs> so I was going to say, Stamets, because then, you know, we can get off of there. Um, well... I'm I'm going to say, like, if I want to get off the island, if that's my goal, then I want Michael Burnham. Yeah. Because Michael Burnham is, A, awesome, B, resourceful, and C, has gotten out of difficult situations before. So it would be really good, helpful at that. 
if I want a buddy in case we might never get off the island, Tilly. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. I think those are good answers. I think I'm sticking with with old Saru. I mean, yeah, totally, I mean, very good answer. Look, if I was smart and wanted to live, I'd pick Michael Burnham because she's the one who is going to get me off mm-hmm. that uh, island, uh, and, and maybe Tilly as well. But Saru, he's going to let me know when danger is coming, and we can also we can just be like, "Is there any danger coming?" Like, no. Then let's get more coconuts and build our hut. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like with Tilly, maybe we'd make friends with the whales nearby, and then they would swim <laughs> us to the place we need to go. So hey. And then, uh, eventually, the original crew would slingshot around the sun. (laughs) They would need those whales. You could jump on the whales just as they beam them up, and then you could go to space. It would be perfect. You could go to the future. My life in the Star Trek uh, universe. My life in the Star Trek. I did, since it's such a big part of the show, I do want to talk about the uh, mycelial network. Yeah. And I feel like they're already kind of winding down the story with that and explaining why uh, it's going to get buried. Yeah. And why the Federation is going to say, like, it is possible to use this to travel, but it is so dangerous to the entire fate of the universe because mm-hmm. if you mess with it in the wrong way and it's damaging to people to travel this way and blah, blah, blah. I, I think that makes sense that of why. But th- that is a pretty big, bold, like, huge technology difference that yeah. they don't have in other Star Trek shows. Yeah. Um, but that idea is compelling of you don't have to go at warp speed. You can just pop somewhere and be there. Yeah. In our world, if you could just pop somewhere and be there. Yeah. Where would you go using the mycelial network? Everywhere. Are you kidding? (laughs) That's not an answer. You can't go everywhere at once. This is the magic superpower I always want. Is to teleport. Yeah. Are you kidding? I hate traffic. I then could also be like, "Mm, I really want some, you know, I want to go see my my friend somewhere. So I'll just teleport there. And then I'm like, hmm. I really want to get a nice French baguette. Bam, I'm in Paris. Okay. Or I've always wanted to see the coast of Thailand. Bam, I'm in Thailand. Like, okay. are you kidding? I would be using it all the time, which would be <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I was just going to go to London to go to a, a pub late at night. but uh, I'll do that too. Can yeah. we go together? Absolutely. Okay. But we have to spin in a weird circle like they do on the show. And then just boop. That is a pretty cool super circle. It, it's a pretty cool Can circle. Can we do it vertically instead of horizontally? Sure. Because laying down on the floor and flopping around a little bit <laughs> might be weird. Uh, I want to appear lying down on the floor face first in a pub in London. I mean, not that I'm against being weird. I've laid down on the floor and flopped around a lot. I'm a modern dancer. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> let's uh, do a couple of how obsessed are you questions like we do on all of our Obsessed Reviews episode. When you finished watching this, did you immediately want to watch it again? Now, granted, we've mostly done Obsessed Reviews about movies, so yeah. that's less of a time commitment. But when you finished watching it, did you feel like, wow, there's so many twists and turns, I eventually want to watch it again with the foreknowledge of what's actually going to happen? Um, yes. And I was like, oh, I want to spend time with our new friends tonight and I don't get to. Yes, yes. I did end with that feeling too of like, mm-hmm. well, where's Saru? Where's yeah. Sarek? Because I did like Sarek as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, fair enough. So you do want to watch it again sometime. Definitely. All right, we will cancel CBS All Access. When they announce <laughs> when season two is coming out, we'll binge rewatch season one. We'll skip through the theme song <laughs> and we'll save a little bit of time that way. There we go. It's a all deal. right, next How Obsessed Are You question would you buy the Blu-ray of this television season if it cost $200? Um, no. No, because we've already probably spent that much on CBS 
fucking all access. Yeah. Sorry, CBS. Yeah. But I mean, I think. Apparently, I think everybody listens to this podcast. I'm going to apologize to all of them just in case. <laughs> the president of CBS. The... <laughs> if I've offended you, it wasn't my intent. Yeah. I'm sorry we haven't said anything nice about the props. I'm sure the people who make the props oh, for Star Trek I mean, Discovery are watching, the to- listening. The props are amazing. The costumes, the makeup. Yeah. All the choreography, yeah, the, the, the fights. Yeah. The dance. We love you all. Yep. Anyway, I also would not pay $200 because this is part of what this whole crazy world we live in now where there's just like so much storytelling to be had. Yeah. That I'm so torn. Like when I was, I think back when I first watched Star Trek Mm -hmm. and how many times I've watched the movies, how many times I've rewatched various episodes of the television shows and that feeling of there's not much of this stuff that I like, so I need to hoard it. Yeah. And now there's so much. And there's that question of, that's like a legitimate question for me every time I watch something new of like, did I like this enough that I will revisit it, that I will watch it again? Yeah. I I think that's a very valid question because there is so much content. And as somebody who really likes to reread books over and over again, if there were the um, digital library where we could just check things out because I'm a big fan of checking things out from the library. (laughs) I would definitely check this out from the library and rewatch it. (laughs) All right. You would check it out at the library. That's a good how obsessed are you question. (laughs) Would you check this out at the library? (laughs) Would you ever want to be transported into the reality of this show? That is not a pun. I always have that question phrased as would you want to be transported? (laughs) Um, Yes. But it's a little dangerous because you know what? If you end up being transported into the reality of the Klingon ship, then you're probably just going to be killed. Yeah. And I don't feel like being killed by a Klingon. I want to be transported into like the second season of Next Generation where everybody's pretty nice and there's not too much conflict. This is scary. Yeah. This is darkness and violence. And yeah, I, I would I would be very frightened to be transported into this world. Yeah. So that's rightly uh, so. OK, thank you. Good. We'll go to that pub in London instead. <laughs> Would you buy and wear underwear based on Star Trek hmm. Discovery? Sure. <laughs> that seemed less about Star Trek Discovery <laughs> and more about like underwear, whatever. <laughs> I don't know that I would specifically go seek it out. I wouldn't go buy the material and make myself some underwear. Okay. Um, but if... It were on the hangar, and I was like, I need some underwear. And hey, look, there's some Star Trek Discovery underwear. I would not be opposed to wearing it. Okay. Picture it. Imagine. (laughs) It's the holidays. Yes. I have bought you a present. You Mm -hmm. open it up. It is a pair of underwear with Saru's face (laughs) on both butt cheeks. Uh Uh-huh. Would you be like, thank you so much? Would you be like, hmm, you didn't do the best shopping job this year? I would be like... I love my comedy husband. <laughs> I mean, you're always my husband, but you also do comedy. I, I would... <laughs> Please tell me if you have a drama husband. It's that also you, I don't know about. Okay. <laughs> Zing. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so if they were the right underwear. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes. I would, I would absolutely, I have no objection to wearing it, but I wouldn't seek it out. Okay. I'm kind of in the middle. How about yeah. you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I mean, would you be a po- if you if I gave you Saru's face on the butt of your underwear? 
I would, would be you wear thrilled. it? Thrilled. I kind of thought so. I would I've like it to it. be some kind of advanced underwear where uh if you got nervous, the image of Saru's ganglia came out <laughs> <laughs> on your butt. Like um what was that like heat what were the heat shirts? The you know where if you were hot or cold they turned different colors? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like fear. Yeah, Fear but I want to be fear, I don't want to just be heat based. I want no, to be no, like, no. I meant like, oh, it's hot and yeah. screws on your butt. Like death is coming. Like no, it's just I live in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, it needs to be fear based, not, not fear based, heat-based. not heat based. Yeah. Come on, come on, through. <laughs> no, I, you know, underwear, yes, for sure. But also, I've really been making a point to celebrate and diversify all of the different genre pop culture things I love, and I don't have a lot of Star Trek stuff right yeah. now. I would love a good Star Trek shirt. And if that is just Saru with his ganglia hanging out, mm-hmm. I would love that shirt. Excellent. All right. Oh, he's I'll make making a note. A note. Mm-hmm. All right. If you had to face one of your greatest physical fears to watch the second season of Star Trek Discovery, would you? Mm. <sighs> this show is about facing fears in a it lot of ways. Is. It's about brave people who push through and find a way. Honestly, I think it would depend on the fear because yeah. there's some fears like if it was a fear that this would be good for my health, my life to push through this fear and then I get this reward. Yes. The fear that I instantly jump to is jumping out of a plane, uh, which is a <laughs> thing that a lot of people want to do. They want to go parachuting and jump yeah. out of a plane. I have zero interest in that. Zero. None. I don't ever actually want to do that. Yeah. And if it was like you have to go parachuting to watch the season, I honestly don't know. Wow. I might just say, you know what? I'm sure it's great. I'm going to watch something else. Okay. I would barter. If somebody came to me and said, you have to jump out of a plane Mm -hmm. to watch the second season, I'd be like, well, I really, really should because I believe in in, uh, grabbing the lesson of the thing that you watch instead of just watching it passively Mm -hmm. and saying, what can I take from this and incorporate into my life? And I'd be like, every one of these characters would jump out of a plane with a parachute. So why can't I? Mm -hmm. But then I would say, all right, but you also have to pay for CBS All Access. <laughs> and if they said yes, I would jump out of a plane. Okay. With my Saru underwear on and the ganglia would come out <laughs> for sure. Perfect. <laughs> if this show was a person, would you try to become its best friend? Mm. Um, my inquisitive ganglia are coming out. <laughs> uh, best friend? I'm not sure. Friend? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But best friend, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm going to say no to that one. Yeah. I don't know why I'm all answering all the questions, too. You should. But uh, I'm going to say no, because part of what I like about Star Trek Discovery is that it is manipulative, tortured, and conflicted. Yeah. And a and lot it, of people it, aren't who they seem to be. Yeah. And it comes around to a positive place. It comes around to a, a, an affirmation mm-hmm. of the ideals of Star Trek and Starfleet. Uh but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like go out for drinks with a friend and know that the first two hours are going to be torture, but then they're going to come around <laughs> to reaffirm our friendship at the end of the evening. Oh, like, you're, that's a lot of work. Yeah, here I was thinking like I don't want to wait till I'm seventy to find out that my best friend actually was a good person. Yeah, like that's no. Yeah, unlike the jokes I was talking about, I don't actually want to pay also uh, to stream <laughs> my friends. I don't want to have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> to have access to specific people. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you one more how obsessed are you question because uh-huh. I realize that I should include uh, the classic bear question. Ooh. If we were sitting down to watch Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. Star Trek uh, Discovery, 
Season two, in a bear stole our remote. Will we try to get it back from the bear? Will we work together? Yeah, we would work together. We would see if our TV has any buttons on it, which it doesn't, to turn it on without the remote. <laughs> but hey, that would be great. That's, that's Bring smart. Buttons that's good back. Starfleet thinking. Because having one device that turns on everything else, not the best Hashtag solution. bring buttons back. That's right. Uh, because here's the thing. I think that the bear would actually enjoy it. So the bear <laughs> could sit down and watch it with us. So we would just maybe even have to, going with the ideas of Star Trek, teach and share and explore and discover together with the bear. We the would bear would turn it on to communicate with the bear. The bear would learn how to communicate with the PlayStation 4. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would all sit down and watch it together. Yeah. Yep. And then the bear could also play Battlefront 2 with me and it would be great. There you go. Perfect. All right. I want you to rate your obsession mm-hmm. with Star Trek Discovery on a scale of 1 to 1031. Because 1031 is the uh, the number of the the Starship USS Discovery. It's the NCC 1031. Okay. I'm going to give myself probably, let's say, let's say a 621. A 621, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you like it. I'm more than halfway, but I'm not actually veering into the territory of obsessed. Right. Right, you have I mean, other I'm pop cultures. I'm currently obsessed because we just watched it. Right, and you're thinking about it. But you have other yeah. pop cultures, things that you love more, that spoke to you even more. Yeah, and for all we know, we'll do this exact episode again in a year <laughs> about Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> and I will say I am now a 8,072. Oh, wow. Because it might be one of those things that as it sticks with me, I become more obsessed. But for right now, I'm going to stick with, I believe it's at 621. Yeah. All right. I'll go a little higher. Mm-hmm. That seems accurate. I'll go 842 because mm-hmm. I'm really happy to have Star Trek back. Yeah. I'm happy that it is a new take on Star Trek that's experimenting. So it's not just the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. But I'm having this very weird feeling of I want a little more of my classic Trek feelings. Yeah. And I feel like if it, and I, this is this is the danger of constantly revisiting things of the question of how much do you want them to be different so they're fresh and how much do you want that like I'm revisiting this because I want that feeling again. Yeah. And I think for myself, I I don't, I kind of judge myself for this. Uh huh. But I kind of want a little more of that feeling. Of the classic yeah. feeling. I think if the second season has lots of twists, the characters are. Uh, tortured emotionally they're trying to figure things out but it's kind of locked and loaded this is your crew saru tilly stamets uh burnham mm-hmm. you know Giorgio uh, shows up uh mm-hmm. maybe Lorca shows up somehow great but if you're like kylie what's her name yeah keela keela, keela speaks yeah, yeah if you're locked and loaded of like here's our characters yeah you could invest in them and their interactions a little bit more I think that would shoot my obsession level up real high. Yeah, because that was one of your things early on is you wanted um, teamwork. You wanted to see what's the what's the how do they interact with each other rather than one on one episodes, right? Yeah. That, it's, I feel like that was one of your early comments to me is you wanted to see how they interacted with each other rather than just how they interacted one on one or maybe with two people, but you wanted to see the teamwork. Yeah, and another word that I'm just not thinking of right well, now. Well, in the in the classic Trek model, 
also is that the characters are quite defined by their position. Mm-hmm. That Jordy is the engineer. Bashir on Deep Space Nine is the doctor. And it's not like they can't do lots of different things. Yeah. But you really get that sense of they have different skill sets. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Discovery was just a little mushy. And like, yeah. what exactly? Tilly was an ensign who was helping out in engineering, but she could also be a captain, which I loved. Yeah. But it, but it's not as like I would see like to see them locked into their roles a little a bit little more. more. I remember it was a science ship, so everybody there needed to have a little bit more science. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. It all tracks logically. I'm just talking about what I what I need to get my numbers up. I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to be a good no- negotiator. You are negotiating great. <laughs> I'm going to jump out of that plane to get free CBS All Access. Awesome. That's I'm just trying to be part of the rebel goes. faction. Make sure everybody can get along. All right. We're going to close out the podcast, the, uh, the Obsessed Reviews episodes. We do a little bit differently than the uh, normal episodes, which we'll be getting back to next week. But to close us out, could you make a noise to sum up your obsession with Star Trek Discovery? <laughs> <laughs> what's what is that noise so the first one was um a starship going past and then we got off onto the mycelial network so that was the in-between sound and the last one was the feeling that i needed a big closer and couldn't think of a good one fast enough. <laughs> i think that is a perfect noise mine is very simple do you want to hear mine i do <laughs> that was the noise of the ganglia coming out <laughs> i like it even better now <laughs> good Good. Thank you uh, so much for listening to our podcast all about Star Trek mm, Discovery. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you haven't watched Star Trek mm, Discovery and now you are <laughs> encouraged to, we apologize for all the spoilers. Sarah, thank you for joining me. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on board the Starship Scrimshaw Obsessed Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to figure out what the number is for yeah, that next time. Yeah, the absolutely. USS Star Trek Scrimshaw Obsessed. Yep. Yep. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Thank you so much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Obsessed.